Check out the Geek Therapy Forum, which combines the features of a traditional message board with the comment section of all our content. Join the discussion at forum.geektherapy.com. Welcome to GT Radio on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. My name is Josue Cardona with Ali Matu. Good morning, good evening, good night. Lauren Keller. What's up? And Lara's in Disneyland. So Happy anniversary. Woo-woo. We miss you. She can't be here with us. She's uh, off eating wonderful treats and having fun. All right. So first order of business, we have new patrons, plural. Woo. We have Beth and Andrew, our brand new patrons. Yay. Andrew may or may not be related to Lauren. So Lauren, uh, if you have other family members who would also like to uh, become <laughs> members on on uh, Patreon. <laughs> Andrew, you are officially my favorite brother. <laughs> He's my favorite color. Oh, oh, dang. Rough. Now, again, if other Kellers want to become members, they can go to patreon.com slash geektherapy and um, maybe they'll be my favorite Kellers. Who knows? <laughs> also, one, one more thing. The GT Forum is going really well. Really, really well. I'm very happy with uh, how it's going. So if you haven't checked it out, definitely um, go to the GT Forum at forum.geektherapy.com and discuss this or any other episode that we've ever done or kind of whatever you want. Yeah, it's it, we're in beta right now, anything goes. So, you know, help us make it better. All right. So, uh have I told you guys my marijuana man story? No. Uh, I once had a client. I asked her what was her favorite comic book or her favorite book and she said, "Well, um it's called Marijuana Man." And she told me about the story, but then she told me one of the reasons why it's my favorite is because of the creator. His name was James Mafood. And then she told me about his story. His story resonated with her. So to her, the creator of this work of art was just as important to her as the work of art itself. And it was one of the first times I ever really thought about that because I, I never really thought about who made the stuff that I liked. So Ali, you had uh, you suggested on the Slack this week we talk about some things that have happened in the news, specifically uh, like Roseanne. Uh, she did some stuff, and then her content was taken down. I, I love how I'm talking about like she's a YouTuber, uh, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. we'll get to that in a second. Um, something that happened today. We're recording on Friday, June first. It, it was it was meant to be. Kanye West released his new CD today. Kanye West is a very controversial figure, and a lot of people don't like him. But uh, I've I've had that talk with people about how well you know can you separate the the artist mm. uh, from mm-hmm. from from the music? And you know, up until today, I mean, I I'm the kind of person who would always say like, yeah, I don't know what's up with with Kanye. I don't agree with a lot of stuff that he's done, but I love his music, and his mm-hmm. music means mm-hmm. a lot to me. But today on his new CD, his new CD actually the cover of it says. Um, well, he addresses his mental health issues that have been talked about by people, but he's never really addressed it directly. And on the cover of the album, it says, I hate being bipolar. It's awesome. Hmm. And he addresses it in the second song on the album called Yikes. So it's one of these examples of like, if he's singing and talking about his mental health in a way that other people can relate to and can maybe help other people open up to friends and family and get support, I think that's really great. And it would be unfortunate if some people would disregard that because it's Kanye, you know? It's difficult. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Ali. Uh, you kind of had this, uh, you know, the, the core of this idea. What are you thinking? 
It's a really tough one for me. Um, I mean, just thinking about Roseanne, my wife and I, uh, a few years ago, were going through some uh, and rewatching some of the Roseanne episodes, and it's... I never appreciated this as a kid when it was first airing, and I watched Roseanne. My, my family always loved it, and um, we would watch it every week, but uh, I didn't realize how much the show dives into tough issues that impact a lot of people, and it's not a perfect family. And so when we found out that there's a new version of Roseanne coming out, we were really excited about it. And uh, we watched probably the first five episodes or so. And then we went on vacation, which is why I missed um, some episodes of GT Radio. But when we came back, the news of Roseanne um, making some of those tweets, some of the racist tweets, which is a theme of of some of the 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 types of tweets she's made online and and the show being pulled down. It was it's really tough because the, the show is named after her. You know, this so much of the show is about her. And even though there's this larger cast, there's a larger crew, there's a whole production team, it's hard to tease those things apart. So they got me thinking of other examples that have been really tough for me. And some are just really brutal. Um, one is The Cosby Show. Um, that's a show that I also grew up on. And uh, my whole family watch and I love and we've seen recently how Bill Cosby was found uh, found guilty on his uh, charges of um, sexual assault. I don't know if he was found guilty on on rape or sexual assault, but um, he's had a number of allegations. And that's another show where it's really about this creator and it's hard to tease those things apart. Um, So what is so important about Roseanne and... The Cosby Show that makes these situations in particular very difficult. What's difficult for me is there are shows I love. There are shows that feature a family, which for many reasons um, matter, it tackles important topics. So, so the media really resonates with me. And this media is so tightly associated with the name the Cosby Show, Roseanne, and it so tightly revolves around the main person who is also now um, responsible for uh, some things that are, are are not so great. These shows are really important to a lot of people. The Cosby Show, in particular, was like a positive representation of blacks in America. Still to this day, it is an example. And, you know, like I watch Blackish now and Blackish feels like the new Cosby show. It feels very important. It's just telling stories in and and it's popular, right? And it's telling it to mainstream America and it's telling stories that not only aren't seen regularly, but it's also important for black families to see. It's a positive representation of a, of a family. And for me, Roseanne, I saw all the episodes that were out up to now and I didn't know it was as popular as it was until until this week, but that show did something. Like I'm, I'm very liberal in my in my political leanings. Pro- probably pretty center on a lot of things, but most mostly uh, liberal, especially on the social issues. And in the media that I usually consume, conservatism is vilified, 
And those uh, people who are conservatives are shown in a, in a super negative light, like completely like an extreme, right? They're all hateful. They're all racist. They're all, you know, like very one dimensional. And for me, I don't watch many shows where th- that isn't the case. And Roseanne was the first show that I've seen in a long time where I see a family that's that's very conservative and they're still tackling progressive issues from a conservative perspective. Right. And I appreciated that so much. And I heard this week that it was getting like 18 million viewers on on the first few episodes. That's incredible in yeah. 2018. Yeah, it was it was one of the most successful shows ABC's launched in a while, and it was yeah. uh, attracting an audience that ABC usually does not get. And um, it was the number one show right now, right? Or it was. Yeah, and it's what's what was so cool about these new episodes is uh, you're right; it is a family that's largely conservative, but it's also a family that is still. Um, struggling from a socioeconomic perspective and there are some people in the family that are much more liberal and it highlights some of the tensions but also some of the ways that we come together and it's not just about our politics but it's it's about family. Um, You're right, Josue, these shows are really important and it's, I, I think it's, at least speaking for myself, it's hard for me to separate out the people who are in the show from their personal lives and the things that they personally see. Like, I I can't watch the Cosby show and see it the same way. Um, And with Roseanne, she has made some of these types of comments in the past, and you kind of look the other way or you don't focus on it as much, but it, it gets to a point where it's, you can't ignore it. And I think that's where we are right now. And that's, it's really tough for me. That's where you are right now. That's where I am. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, I hate to tell you, you won't get a chance to even try to see the new episodes through that lens because it's been taken down. Like ABC took down every single episode from this season and Hulu and TV land. They took down every single episode of, of the previous nine seasons. They're gone. It's like they erased Roseanne from the internet. Which a lot of people, a lot of networks did with the Cosby show as well. Yeah, but uh, we had 20 time. years yeah. to watch yeah. and, and uh, you know, take in the the goodness of the Cosby show. <laughs> we didn't even get to debate the last few episodes of Roseanne, which again, I think are great. Um, we've talked in the past about the GT library and where we, we take different forms of media as conversation starters. And I think every single episode of Roseanne this season had something that kind of shocked me that it was addressing and I love the way it addressed it in a, in a way that could really spark some conversation yeah. and now it's gone I'm in the position where I understand the tweets that she made I understand the whole everything before and after but I think it's unfortunate that that content won't be able to regardless I, I am able to separate them I can't think I'm sure maybe as we continue to talk there will be situations where I'll be able where maybe it'll be um, harder for me to separate but I can separate that that's a character and and that there's a show full of other people and that that isn't her. And I feel the same way about the Cosby show. I haven't seen an episode in a while, but I don't like Mr. Huxtable is still uh, somebody to me that is separate from Bill Cosby. Lauren, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I did not grow up with cable TV, so I didn't ever really watch Roseanne. I caught a couple of Cosby Show episodes here and there, but 
um, that neither of them were very impactful for me personally. Are there any examples that you can think of that that um, follow along the same lines that maybe are relevant to you? Yeah, yeah. A good example for me is uh, Joss Whedon. I'm a big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and um, Firefly and Angel and even Dollhouse um, and finding out that Joss Whedon is kind of a, a shitty person was was a big blow to me because yeah. I really held a lot of his characters in high regard of like this is you know here is a man who's attempting to to actually create powerful female characters that I as a young girl can relate to and feel empowered by and you know hearing the back back end stuff it's it's really disappointing, and you know I haven't I haven't gone back and tried to like rewatch Buffy now or anything like that. But I do think that it would certainly color my perception of a lot of things um, that I didn't. <sighs> and you know maybe maybe that's just life in general. We get older and more experienced, and we get a, a broader viewpoint, and things that we just sort of consumed when we were young were a little bit more critical about as adults. And sometimes that that loss of being uncritical is sort of a bummer because <laughs> you feel like oh I'm an angry curmudgeon now. I've become my parents, um, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it, it is it is difficult to separate the art from the artist. But I, I think you're right, Josue. I think it is important to look at the broader implications of, of how that media, you know, was utilized and how it created opportunities for conversations and maybe, you know, changed some hearts in positive ways. But, you know, it also goes the other way too. <laughs> what what kind of damage is done by by that stuff? Just Whedon is interesting because He's he's never on the show, right? Yeah. Like you don't yeah. see him. I mean, yes. you can feel the Joss Whedonness of a show. You can feel it in, in the writing. You can yeah, feel the yeah. Whedonness. You you yes. have it in Avengers, yeah. Exactly. But he's not on camera. It's even harder for me to tie those two things together when I don't even see him. You know? I think it's there's some there's some interesting things to pull apart here because Josue, you were talking about ongoing versus a past show. And that's one way where it plays out for me with Joss Whedon, where a lot of his work has been created. It's all done. And what came out about the how he treated his wife and how he treated women was really after he made his last big thing. Probably, I think it was after the second Avengers film. So it's not like if I watch more Buffy, I'm necessarily supporting him. At least that's how I think about it, where as with Roseanne, it's a little bit different because it's it's ongoing. The show's in production and she's still making money off of it. At the same time, the thing about Joss Whedon that's uh, that's complicated and the part of this that's all, all complicated is it's not none of these shows or these creations are any one person. The Joss Whedon writing room launched the careers of many people. Um, who have gone on to make things that I really love. So when you look at something like Buffy or Firefly, it's a lot of really talented people coming together to create that work. And I also don't want something that I love where many people were involved in it to disappear because that in some way invalidates the work of hundreds of people from... Um, the writers to everyone working on the set. And um, that's not okay either. 
So the idea that uh, you're supporting something and somehow supporting that creator that you no longer agree with, I I understand, right? In some cases, it's like, well, if that, uh, I don't know, like Chris Brown, for example, right? Chris Brown comes out with a new CD and I hear the song on the radio and I like it. I don't want to buy it because I know that he's going to get money from it. There's like yeah. a direct transaction there, right? right? Yeah. Right. Um, that one's that one is is more difficult, and and I couldn't possibly make a case for any Chris Brown song that was like pro social or anything like that, or like, <laughs> <laughs> like making making a difference. Um, uh, there's that wedding song that like uh, maybe maybe I don't I I can't uh, argue for it either way really. Now. Well, another one yeah. that comes to mind is Dave Chappelle. So I love the Chappelle yeah, show. That's a that's a good example. Right. Like the Chappelle show was something that um really felt like it was punching up this idea in comedy where you're you're tackling larger oppressive institutions, like the whole idea of, of racism, you're punching up against systemic oppression and things like that. And I think his original show on Comedy Central did tackle a lot of those topics. But then recently, he just came out with a comedy special on Netflix, and I watched the first few minutes of it, and he was saying some very transphobic things. Yeah. And I couldn't keep watching it. I was like, this is not something I want to support, so I stopped. And that's something where it's not... It's it's not as transactional where he's not going to make more money because of my one view on Netflix, but it is something that I felt like if enough people do that, Netflix will see that um, it's not resonating as much, and then maybe he might not get more. He might not get another special out of it, which really sucks because I really like Dave Chappelle. But there's like you said something there. You said. I started watching it and I didn't like it, so I stopped. Yes. Right? Like, these other examples are things like, we loved the thing before and now suddenly it's changed, right? Like, him having a new special and being like that, you not wanting to watch it is not the same thing as him having an amazing new special and you not watching it to just not support him. But it is me, like, going back to Dave, Ch- uh, the Chappelle show, the Chappelle show was Dave Chappelle doing his stuff. Like it's so, and I I know there's other writers and a lot of people collaborating and um, to create that show, but it, it felt like his creation, and his stand-up special felt like his creation. So I I, I see your point, Josue, where it, it is different, and it also felt like supporting that person. Hey, we've launched a new website called the Geek Therapy Forum. Almost every piece of content on the Geek Therapy Network is now linked to a topic on the forum, replacing the comments on separate websites. It also includes all the features of a traditional message board, so we have topics ranging from pop culture and video games to psychology and mental health. Patreon members also get access to an exclusive area to discuss Patreon-exclusive content, all in one place. You'll find a link to this episode's topic on the GT Forum in the show notes, or you can go to forum.geektherapy.com to sign up and join the discussion. Again, visit the new GT Forum at forum.geektherapy.com. I got this different example, too, because I think we're talking about a lot of really tough, nuanced, complicated examples that don't really have a good ending to that story. But um, was anyone following the Dan Harmon um, story that was breaking a few months ago? He's the creator of Community. He also made Rick and Morty. I I think he's been involved in, in a few other things. But when uh, the Me Too movement was really picking up steam, 
a few months ago, his uh, one of his former writers from Community, her name is Megan Gantz, she posted on Twitter about times when she was um, sexually harassed by uh, Dan Harmon. And that that sucked for me as a fan of his work, especially community. Community is one of those things, Josue, as you were saying earlier, is important. It it meant a lot to, and it continues to mean a lot to a lot of people. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Big Bang Theory, but I think community is what a lot of people think that Big Bang Theory is. It's like this celebration of these geeks, these uh, characters who are um, in many parts of society seen as different or strange or weird. And it really also celebrates a lot of geek culture and pop culture and all that. So at first I was like, oh man, that sucks. Like here's another person who I loved, whose work I really supported and is now like the truth is coming out about some horrible things that um, that he's done. I think about a week or two later, he issued um, a complete apology on his podcast by outlining what he did from his perspective and really owning what he did. And um, before he did that, I think um, him and Megan had a uh, either a private conversation or they were direct messaging or something like that. And um, he owned it. He talked about what role he played, and he apologized. And uh, she accepted his apology completely. I think she even called it a master class in in how to apologize. And so that kind of brought me full circle again, where I felt like I could move on and... I. It's not like I, I'm not involved, like this, none of this stuff happened to me, but it, it felt like enough for me to, to move forward. So Dan Harmon did a thing. He outlined the thing, apologized for the thing. And now like you weren't going to buy Szechuan sauce before, but now you're, you're on board. <laughs> like, well, that's, that's, that's it. Like that's all that had to happen. <laughs> <laughs> the Szechuan sauce is it's a whole different story. Um, I don't know, Josue, because it, it's, I mean, it's not that simple because uh, with Rick and Morty, I don't know if anyone else here watches that show, but um, it, I've, I really love that show for all the sci-fi elements. It's, it's a show that so completely adopts the idea of a multiverse at the same time, the fandom around Rick and Morty has become um, quite nasty at times. And Rick is a character who is definitely uh, struggling with uh, substance uh, substance use. He is uh, mental health is tackled on the show and he is uh, struggling with depression. There's a scene where um, you really question if he's someone who's been suicidal and attempted to take his life. So it dives into some um, really tough material. And there is a part of the internet that I think celebrates that, that the horrible way he treats other people 
is something to be celebrated. So this whole time I've been watching Rick and Morty and I've been thinking, well, this is, you know, it's a cautionary tale. It's it's a story about why it's not good to be this way and look at all the horrible ways in which Rick has impacted the people he's close to or the people that love him. And then you hear stories like this uh, where the creator of a show has done some really horrible things. And you start to wonder how much of that has been a part of their writing and their creative work. And you start to question, oh, wait a minute, is... uh, you know, is this something I want to be supporting? This goes back to Joss Whedon. He has created a lot of really strong female characters, but he's also created a lot of women who experience a lot of violence, who are, uh, <laughs> quote, you know, broken in many ways. Uh, you see that in Buffy. You see that in Firefly. You definitely see that in Dollhouse. I mean, that yep. show's really, like, messed up in some ways yep. when you really think about it. Right, Lauren? Like, yep. <laughs> you kind of wonder, like, how much of that stuff is seeping in. And then it's, for me, it can be hard to see it in another lens. I'll, I'll give you another example. Uh, this is um, Star Trek Into Darkness with Bob Orsi. He was one of the uh, main writers of that film, as well as Star Trek 2009. And online, he started writing a lot about um, conspiracy theories related to the September 11th terrorist attacks. And um, really became pretty clear that he's a 9-11 truther. And over time, he deleted a lot of his older posts. But um, people have talked about, there's a lot of articles on the internet about, is Star Trek in the Darkness this 9-11 truther movie? And um, that's less of an issue for me because I don't, um, he hasn't necessarily hurt anyone by having these different beliefs but it does change your perspective on how you see this piece of media listening to you give these examples ali is making me think that perhaps there is uh an aspect here in which we we watch these shows and movies and and read books and stuff um because we're interested in narrative a lot of the time right we want we want that complete story with a satisfying ending and perhaps, uh, you know, talking about Joss Whedon and Roseanne and uh, how there's almost this expectation. We want a satisfying conclusion. We want we're OK with people making gross, bigoted mistakes if they own it, if they mm. if they recover from it, if they learn from it, because I think then we can be you know, looking in the mirror and be like, well, the terrible <laughs> opinions I hold, perhaps I too can grow from these. <laughs> uh, and so I think, you know, bringing back to um, Josue talking about them removing all of Roseanne completely and, and just sort of hiding it so there's no way to to still get anything out of it. I think that's taking away the, um, the satisfying com- conclusions we're looking for in our narratives that we don't just apply to the story, we also apply to the people who make the stories. We want their narratives to have satisfying conclusions. And that can go both ways, mm-hmm. right? We want people mm-hmm. to phoenix rise from the ashes as miraculously good people, but we also want to see people get punished. Mm-hmm. We want satisfying punishment for people who have transgressed 
transgressed in socially unacceptable ways. So I, I think that's definitely something to, to keep in mind as we talk about this. Hmm. Yeah, the idea of like justice is one of the themes that I'm I'm hearing um, from from some of your examples, Ali, because and and some of the examples that, that we're bringing up because it's like okay, this person did this thing now, like we don't we we want them to suffer, we want them to pay, so something needs to happen, and sometimes that little thing is well, I'm not going to give them a view or I'm not going to pay for their content or some kind of way that you can stick it to them. And I think that's a part of it, right? Like that's if, if you feel strongly enough about what the person did, I think that the, that can definitely come into play, like a, like the Chris Brown example that I gave. But then I don't think that if you enjoy Buffy the Vampire Slayer now, it means that you support Joss Whedon and even less anything that he's ever done. Yeah, I yeah. think that, I think that people, especially people like us who care so much about this stuff, we we love the creator and we love the content and we we we're huge fans and we had T-shirts and we had stickers and now what do we what do I do with all that? What does it mean? You know what does it what does my fandom does my does my fandom of one thing is it associated with something else? And I think that a lot of people have difficulty with that, especially I don't know using Joss Whedon again, right? Like. I hope Joss Whedon keeps making TV and movies. He makes stuff that I like. I would love to see. Maybe he's made my favorite thing, or maybe he's gonna make my favorite thing, and I haven't seen it yet. And I would, I would love to see that. But maybe some people don't feel that way. Like, do you, in that particular example, or some of the others, like, do you want him to like die in a ditch or something, or do you want to like? like no, exactly. <laughs> I think that's a great, a great thing to bring up. I don't want anyone up. to die in a ditch. <laughs> Let me just say that right now. For the record. Yeah. I, I, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I've got a list. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that is a, a good thing to bring up. Um, you know, we're just three people having this conversation, but there, there are much broader conversations going, you know, through larger communities. And people are going to make their own decisions about where the line is, where the this is no longer acceptable. You need to be excised from all of my media. Uh, and, and, you know, I guess try, try and be supportive of people who, you know, for them, maybe the bar is lower than it is for you. And they're already like, no, thank you. I'm like, you know, when they told me when they were talking about that, they were going to start up Roseanne again. Like, like I said, I was never really a fan, but I had, I had already been aware of her anti-Semitism. And as a Jew, I was just like, ew, why are they giving her the show back like why i don't get that but you know not everybody's got the same background as me uh, i can't expect everybody to have the same opinions um well and not everyone is as plugged in or follows the, the <laughs> extremely n- online <laughs> right yeah yeah i mean there and that's another part of this that i think is difficult is if you look into any of our history or the things we've said online i mean there's probably some tweets that i've made that i i look back on i'm like oh my gosh i can't believe i said that or my views have grown from then and i am not that is not who I am anymore. Um, let me let me take this to a place that might be a little bit less dicey in terms of uh, current issues. But before you do that, I want to take it really dicey. Oh, uh, okay, go for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my yeah. thing's still dicey. 
but it's less current issue dicey. But go ahead, Josue. <laughs> so Lauren, you were saying that Roseanne has shown that she's an anti-Semite. So there was an episode in the season where she is very ignorant to her Muslim neighbors who have just moved in. Ali, did you see this episode? I didn't see that one yet. Oh, you'll never see it because it's never <laughs> I've got never it. Seen well, it I've actually got it on my TiVo, so it's recorded. They they deleted it from your TiVo, too. They don't want you to see anything. If they did, that would be like, what? That's like the NSA level. Um, yeah, I mean, technically, I think TiVo could. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think they did that. So you should watch it. Um, so I'll try not to spoil it. But basically, you know, she's she's very ignorant to the fact that she has these Muslim neighbors. She's actually really scared of them. And it comes to a point where she has to have a conversation with them. And the conversation that they have and the conclusion of that and the relationship that forms, I think, is amazing and something that to see it from again, from a conservative perspective, was refreshing. And I, I think that that's good. Are we, are we doing pros and cons? Are we doing plus and minuses? Like, is there, is there an algorithm here that we put into play? It's like, well, you know, she's an anti-Semite, so that trumps, you know, the goodness of this episode or something else. Like, I feel like we're, maybe not us three, but like in general, right? We, we all tend to do that math in some way. And maybe I, I think it's actually not much of a math, right? It's like, well, they did this one bad thing, so it 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 negates all of the good that could have possibly come from it, and we can't get past it. Which is again, like how I feel. I understand that the ABC thing is more complicated. It's like they don't want to they want to distance them, themselves so much from any controversy. Uh, ABC also on Blackish there was an episode where they. Uh, that was dealing with uh, athletes kneeling at uh, sports events, and they decided that they're never going to air that episode. Wow! Like it, they made it, and it's lost. So ABC's like, huh. you know, they're in they're in some sort of mood, you know, <laughs> and and who knows, <laughs> you know, who knows what what's going to happen when somebody else comes in, and maybe maybe we'll get to see these things. Maybe they'll put Roseanne back out there, right? Like, fine, your your show is canceled, but you know, we still made this thing, and maybe there's some value there. I think I think that comes back to the point you were making earlier, Josue, about how everybody has sort of their own point system as to to what counts as a transgression and what what doesn't, what's actually connected to the piece of medium and what exists outside of it, who quote unquote counts as the creator. Like we all are coming from our own perspective. I mean, certainly we can agree that like, oh, the actor who portrayed that character matters to that character. But, you know, does the costume designer matter as much? Should should they experience the same sort of our coming for them, so to speak, of like, how could you do that? Or why didn't you do that? Or what have you? We're all definitely sort of keeping our own our own tally, and that's informed by our own experiences and our own problems and things that we don't think that matters, whether that it's because it doesn't matter or because we're privileged to not have to worry about that thing. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's all stuff you kind of gotta keep keep in mind because you know, media matters. I I completely agree with you. Like we all have different levels here. There's all we all have different ideas of what is sacred and what's not and what lines can be crossed and some of us can worry about certain things more than than others and we we have that privilege. Um like for some people it doesn't matter that Millie Vanilli were lip-syncing those songs. They still love those songs. And for some people, it doesn't matter that Vanilla Ice ripped off the beat 
for um, Ice Ice Baby. You still love that. But for some people, that matters a lot. And same with everything else we're talking about. You've, you've brought up some examples that are so like far removed <laughs> from being a racist and anti-Semist, yeah. like uh, uh, violent towards women, um, sexually harassing, sexually assaulting, uh, drugging and raping. Like there, there's like these are very, very different things. Like yeah. I don't even see them like in the same conversation. I'm trying to show the diversity um, and the whole spectrum from very severe to very benign. Uh, in terms of the infractions and the the problems that they cause. But in all of these, I see a thread of who someone is and what they've created or what they've been responsible for. And I think getting back to what Lauren was saying, we all have different levels of how important these infractions are to us. So really my my biggest concern right um w- within this conversation is the effect that any of these things however large or small however bad or or benign the aggression the the grievance what effect that has on something that actually had a positive impact right so like we could talk about transparent is a complicated one but i think it's still it put trans issues out um into you know, in, in a in a well-received show. So a lot of people saw a situation that they've, I'm sure many people never even thought of before. Kids um, learning that their their father is a trans woman, like they had no idea. How often do you see that on TV? And then fleshed right. out over a few seasons, right? So then the main actor, there's accusations against him. And I believe they're going to, like the show is going to continue, which I'm glad because like the, the family is still... The family, right? Like we've 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 come to know these people, so the show is going to continue without him. And I think that that show continues to be important. And I don't know. I think it's it's unfortunate if a show that, according to some people, did a lot of good, that all of a sudden, like, if it got the Roseanne treatment and just like disappeared, and no one could ever benefit from that. Right. That's what concerns me. I mean, there there is. I, I feel pressed to make a note here that in the digital age nothing has really disappeared if I wanted to find the most recent Roseanne episode I could definitely find a copy of it online that is true but it's not but it's not it's not the same thing right it's not the same thing as something being broadcast and made readily available all over the place and promoted that is the big thing you and I could watch it in like in secret (laughs) right and then but like there isn't a broader conversation happening yeah. Yes. And then, and, you know, there's there that that's its own whole deep conversation as to, you know, we were talking about the, the creator and the creation, but we never really, you know, went into the broader aspect of like the context of when when the show is made, who is paying for the yeah, show, where yeah. is it airing? All of that stuff also is contextual and matters, um, but it's a lot it's a lot harder to pin down. My favorite way of thinking about this comes from an uh, AV Club article about if you, I think the title was, if you love Return of the Jedi but hate Ewoks, you understand feminist criticism of film or something like that, about how it's, it's totally possible to love something and really enjoy the story and have very specific criticisms about how something was done. And I think that's that's part of what we're talking about here. It, it is okay to 
love some of these things. And as you were saying, Josue, the positive impact it's had on you or on society, that isn't taken away. And at the same time, we can talk about these things. We can, critis- we can criticize these things. Or as Lauren, you're saying, we can, we can look at the context in which this was created. And, you know, like Star Trek is my favorite thing in the whole world. And the original series has a whole lot of sexism and misogyny and a lot of like bad gender stuff happening there. <laughs> um, so we can we can talk about that. We can have these conversations and it, it doesn't take away from the positive impact it had on you. But for some people, it feels like it does, yeah. which is kind of the, the, the point where we started with. What I was thinking about before we started was I've seen people online, gay people online, talk about how much they love Chick-fil-A. Th- that has always been funny to me. The idea that you know that or that you believe that Every time you go and you buy some chicken nuggets or you buy a chicken sandwich, that money is potentially going to go in favor of politicians and lobbying against gay rights. And what percentage of your meal actually goes to that is uh, probably hard to calculate. But there is that push and pull there, right? Yeah. It's like, man, like Chick-fil-A is delicious, I don't believe, but I don't believe what this guy, you know, what the owner, the guy who's getting the most money out of this is, is going to do with that money. So what do I do? Do I not eat a chicken sandwich or do I eat a chicken sandwich? It's complicated, right? um, Yeah. And that's like, that's way more, um, Again, to what degree, we don't know, but there are some like actual consequences to, to possibly your future, right? When doing something like that. And I think that all of these examples, like, None of them, or so only some of them, are actually there, right? Like to the point where, like, well, you know, if I support this thing, I'm going to feed this man who will then have the energy to go be sexually assault somebody else or something like that. Like, I'm sure some people think about that. I found it really interesting. Like, I, I think it's clear where I come from. Like, I'm able to separate those things, and this is the art. This isn't necessarily the person. So, I mean, I, that that's where I am, right? Like, again, like I'm I'm lamenting the fact that Roseanne is off the air, even though I completely disagree with things that she said this week and has said in the past. And even some things that she, that her character said on the show, that was kind of the point. That's one of the reasons why I liked it. And I don't know, even the whole idea that like the show disappeared, you know, in the in the general sense, I don't know, it kind of concerns me and scares me a little. This whole conversation is about cognitive dissonance. Like we're talking about that tension that comes up when there's a conflict between your beliefs or your beliefs and what you're doing. We, we all are faced with options at that time. Like, I love Chick-fil-A and I learned that um, money from Chick-fil-A is going to support um, causes that I uh, disagree with. And so what do you do? Do you change your belief and no longer love Chick-fil-A? Do you change your behavior and stop eating at Chick-fil-A? Or do you develop a new belief that... I guess it's not that bad. Like it's not going towards uh, my my money is not going to go towards these causes that much, you know. And and this it made me think of context too. Some people don't have another option besides Chick Fil A in their in their neighborhood if they want to get that kind of food. That's that's kind of it. Um, it's kind of a fucking food desert. Only has a Chick Fil A in it. Really. <laughs> I'm like I'm like I'm like what the fuck do I say to this? I'm like what? The, how can he? He's. <laughs> this is one of those moments where, like, you just said something that's like, 
No, no. <laughs> Maybe when um, my grad school, they they redid their cafeteria, but for a long time. Uh, the options in the cafeteria were uh, whatever food was made locally on site or Chick-fil-A. And Chick-fil-A had the better tasting food than the stuff that was made on site. Um, so that's the that's where I was drawing that example from. It's not a food desert, but it is on campus, limited options. If you don't bring your own food, Chick-fil-A is the best option you got. Ironically, after all this stuff where I'm like, I can separate one thing from the other, um, I don't eat at Chick-fil-A. Like, I can't bring myself to do it. <laughs> we do really pick and choose um, our sides. This is, this is funny. That's, yep. what, that's your sacred point right there is fried chicken. Oh, I love fried chicken. Um, <laughs> it's so good. Lauren, any, any uh, closing thoughts? Uh, I could bring up some game examples, but honestly, that would take forever. And and I think we've done a good job covering this topic. Do we have any question queue questions? Nope. No question queues. You know what that means. We need some questions in the question queue. This is one of those things where I really want to hear from the geek therapy community. And uh, a very simple way to do that is is to submit your questions, your comments into the question queue. If you go to geektherapy.com slash QQ, the letter QQ, you can submit your question and we will um, tackle it uh, on a future episode. I've been thinking about whether or not to make a QQ thread in the forum so like people would just jump in and ask. I don't know if that would be a good idea. Let me know, listeners, please. Also, Ali and Lauren, let me know what you think about that. I will let you know my... Thoughts and a question. <laughs> yeah, post it on the forum. Whatever thoughts you have, mm-hmm. just please post them on the forum. Josue, where can you access the forum? Where do you think we can access the forum? Uh, forums.geektherapy.com. Is that it? Almost. Forum.geektherapy.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you would have heard two ads for the forum by now, too. I really want people to go to the forum. <laughs> it's fun. Come chat with me. Yeah, it's, it is fun. Uh, it's amazing, actually. It's fantastic. All right, so let's have a quick geek therapy section segment since we haven't done one in a while. Raise my spirits a little bit after this episode. So does anybody have anything that like this week was yes. geek therapy for them? Yes. Therapeutic in the most general sense. So much so. I, All right, I really have it. one. <laughs> go for it. Okay, I'm going to make this quick, but it, I, I do have a preamble that leads to it. For a very long time, I have been extremely jealous of Star Wars fans because they get amazing toys, amazing toys, quality toys, big sets, action figures, a scale to the action figure that has been um, that has continued in time for a long time throughout every iteration of the film, like like massive amounts of merchandise. The best Legos? The best, Le- yes, the best Legos. And as a Star Trek fan, a, a lot of toys have really sucked. <laughs> I have very fond memories of my Star Trek Micro Machines from the 1990s and also my Playmates uh, Star Trek toys uh, from the 1990s as well as my one of my most prized possessions is uh, when Playmates own, owned the license for Star Trek and Ninja Turtles, they made a Star Trek Ninja Turtle crossover. <laughs> so I have a Leonardo um, I was about to say Leonardo DiCaprio, Spock, but no. 
a Leonardo Ninja Turtle uh, in the design of Spock. And I also have a, is it Donatello? I remember those. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. But beyond that, a lot of Star Trek toys have sucked. And this has been a real, um, uh, it's been tough for me to talk about. It's been, it's a really um, tough issue for me. But for those of you who have seen season one of the Netflix show, The Toys That Made Us, uh, you know the Star Wars episode. And what this show does is it it's a short documentary. I think it's about uh, 45 minutes long in each episode. And it dives into the story of a toy that had a huge impact on a generation of people. Um, they had a Star Wars episode, which was like, wonk, wonk, look at how amazing these licensing deals were, and look at these amazing toys, and blah, 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 and all that stuff. Just kidding. There's some, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff there. But for, as a Star Trek fan, I was like, okay, yeah, I get it. Star Wars toys are amazing. They just came out with a Star Trek episode. <laughs> Josue, it was so therapeutic for me to watch. To see how crappy all the Star Trek toys were over the years and see them all in condensed in one hour of television? Well, there's that. That that is probably <laughs> the first third of of the of the documentary. And it it gets to a very recent time as well where we've had a lot more quality stuff. And it, it also points to how uh, the creators of Star Trek, they just keep missing the boat. And I was thinking about, Josue, when you and I walked out of Star Trek Beyond. I think we talked about this on uh, on this podcast a very long time ago. When we saw Star Trek Beyond and there's that mug. There's like this beautiful shot of Kirk drinking out of this <laughs> yeah. mug. And I was like, Josue, I'm going to buy that. And I go online to look it up. And I was like, dude, it's not available for sale anywhere. And Star Wars would have never have made that mistake. Like if there's this mm-hmm. big shot of a product. Star Wars would have written a book about that mug. <laughs> it would, that is so true. A trilogy. It would, have, it would have a name. It would have all this merchandise, all this backstory. It would be in Wikipedia. Um, Prequels. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but what, what this documentary so helps me to, um, or what this sh- episode so helped me to understand is why I've had this experience. And I'm, I'm not going to spoil it, but what I will say is the very ending of that episode ties everything together with the spirit of Star Trek in a way that was so therapeutic for me as a fan of Star Trek and as someone who loves toys and as someone who's always been jealous of Star Wars, it tied it together at the end that made me really emotional and cathartic and changed my perspective on all of this. So I cannot recommend this more highly, the toys that made us, the Star Trek episode. But if, you, if you're if you into toys, which you probably are if you're listening to this podcast, there's a number of great episodes. I think you, Josue, are really excited about the Transformers episode. I cannot wait. Yeah. There's a Barbie episode. There's a a Lego episode. Um, I think there's a um, Hello Kitty episode. Yeah. Yeah. He-Man. He-Man. There's a He-Man. Yeah. It's a great series. So definitely check it out. It was, um, yeah, it was really moving for me. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it. Although I can't believe you just said, you know, you're not going to spoil what's basically a documentary. Uh, I think <laughs> I think we need to alert. revisit. Yeah, we need to revisit spoilers again. A documentary <laughs> about toys. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Well, it it I can't say the ending because it's so good. 
Um, I don't, no, no, I don't I want you. to take those words away. Yeah. I understand what's happening. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Lauren, do you have an example? I have a bunch of, of <laughs> geek therapy <laughs> from the past <laughs> couple of weeks because we haven't had that segment. But um, let's see. Let's go through this fast. Uh, I started watching the show Killing Eve, and that is really fun and cool. It's about um, a woman who is hunting a uh, assassin lady, and there's uh, some queer subtext sexual tension that i love and sandra oh is the main character and she's an amazing actress um so i've been really enjoying that show i've been uh, i've watched about half of aggressive retsuko which is an anime on netflix that i highly recommend it's, it's so good it's so, so good. good it's by um the sanrio company so it's like really really cute art but then it's it's about um a, a young woman who's in a, a shitty office job her her secret is um she goes to a karaoke bar and sings like death metal and that, like that's her secret it's it's really cute and fun and relatable highly recommend that um and then the last one i'll say is uh janelle monet's dirty computer her emotion picture is fantastic and i'm still thinking about it pretty much every day every moment Constantly, I love it so much, you guys. Please watch it. <sighs> okay, I'm very sweaty now. I thought about it too much. <laughs> <laughs> I think Killing Eve is was created by the person who does the voice of L3 in Solo. Yeah, right? yep. yeah, yeah. I want to watch that too. Um, yeah, for me, uh, just this week, it's been pretty good. Uh, the Expanse got saved, uh, so I'm, I'm very, very happy. Thank you, Jeff Bezos. New Kanye CD today, new Snow Patrol CD today. I really like me some Snow Patrol, me some new music. And probably the thing that just most cheered me up uh, all week, or I can't stop thinking about it, it hasn't stopped making me laugh, is uh, Kimmy Schmidt is back on Netflix. I love that show. And Titus has a joke in the first episode which I'm probably going to butcher, but it's something like someone asks him where, uh, why he hasn't picked up the phone. And he says, oh, it's just that I'm out of data. Um, I only have, <laughs> I only have one, I only have one datum. I have a datum plan <laughs> <laughs> because datum is the singular of data. It's, it's so stupid. And it just, it killed me. Oh, it's so good. I can't stop thinking about datum. I didn't realize that the new season was up. I'm so stoked. I'm going to go watch that now. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. It's, it's, it's really... Oh, man. Oh, it's so good. Uh, I won't say anything else about that either. That's really good. All right. Well, thank you for listening to GT Radio. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, go to the GT Forum at forum.geektherapy.com or just go to the link in this episode. It'll take you right to the topic uh, to discuss this episode. And while you're there you know, chime in on some of the other discussions that are going on. Uh, we're also on Twitter, at Therapy. I'm at Josue A. Cardona. Ali is at Alima2. And Lauren is at Chicken Dinosaur. Lara's not here this week, but she is at Geek Therapist. Patreon. Yeah, Patreon's a good, uh, a good one. Um, we're one patron away from our next milestone, <gasps> which is starting the production on our seasonal shows. And since I'm optimistic, I'm starting to move, um, like I'm starting to move some of our shows into a seasonal direction so we can start making room for the new, more highly produced uh, seasonal shows that are coming. 
like psych tech is going seasonal gft is going seasonal and then that'll that'll allow space for other uh shows new shows that i can't talk about yet what? and uh yep 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 so it'll be it's gonna be so exciting so once the, i and, and i'm gonna hold uh, i'm gonna hold on i'm going to not even start production until we, we reach that next milestone so you know ask your friends to be a patron <laughs> <laughs> or your family members. Wink, wink, Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Bye. You've just listened to GT Radio on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. For more about Geek Therapy and all of our podcasts, visit geektherapy.com. And for extra content, including our monthly book club and other perks, consider becoming a member of Geek Therapy on Patreon for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash geektherapy. 